0: Completely unbelievable, that is how a civil defence manager is describing the state of roads around Te Tairawhiti.
1: We've built roads, there's no
2: body to them anymore.
0: Coromandel businesses are facing another massive bump in the road, or rather a slip that Waka Kotahi is working overtime to clear from State Highway 25.
1: The truckies from Gisborne with essential supplies face a long detour after slips closed State Highway 2 to the north. Road closure after road closure. Storm damage leaving the ground these roads are built on
2: like melted ice cream almost it's
3: just
1: that soft and porridgey and that means another massive fixer job.
3: Contractors working around the clock to reconnect the region. Cleaning out the drains and
1: any silk. So, yeah, trying to help the people, have their houses in it. Kiwia, I'm Tom Kitchen, and today on the detail, what does it take to get a storm damaged road back open? And with major weather events happening more frequently. Can we make our highways more resilient for the future? First up, two people in charge of looking after our state highways.
3: I'm Rob Campbell, I'm the uh, Regional Manager for Maintenance and Operations at Waka Kotahi, and I look after the Waikato and Bay of Plenty region.
0: I'm Jacqueline Henkin, I'm the Regional Manager for Maintenance and Operations at Waka Kotahi for the Central North Island.
1: And it's not exactly an easy job.
3: It's very, very complicated. (laughs) Um, Obviously, we've got a very large program of maintenance and operational works going on all of the time, uh, and that keeps us very, very busy. And then add on to that, things like the cyclones coming through, storms, events that happen on the highway, accidents. uh, And to keep the network running is, is a big challenge for us and our teams.
1: So let's just say there's been a huge storm We've got slip after slip. There's so many
0: roads that are shut. The main highway into Gisborne from the north is closed after a major slip. State Highway 1 at Dome Valley north of Auckland will remain closed today while the clean-up from a slip continues.
1: Karangahake Gorge closed. The strip that they've just come past this morning has fell down.
0: What do you do first? I guess the first thing is to make sure everyone is safe and then in the background, the people who don't have to be out there on the roads get on calls, Zoom calls, Teams calls, and start making a plan, understanding where we're at, the state of our networks. Yeah, well,
1: how do you build that picture? How do you get your information in?
0: A number of areas, and it's it's intel from contractors from the public, from councils, from civil defence. There's multiple avenues that we build up that picture because uh, there's some areas in Tairawhiri, like where when, when Cyclone Gabriel hit, they had no access and no internet and Hawke's Bay ended up being the same as well.
3: And then really what we're trying to do is get a road open as quickly as we can. As soon as we understand that it's, it's shut, what are our options to get people to and from their businesses, from their homes to their hospital appointments in a safe way. So we'll start looking straight away to, you know, what are our options to to reopen a piece of road or have a detour around it?
1: Yeah, that's never an easy thing. I mean, uh, you might be able to open a road simply or, as we've seen this year, it might be much more complicated. So how do you manage that?
3: It's something that you, you do uh, almost a quick and dirty job initially and um, get the access open and allow people through then we need to take some time we need to actually start starting to analyze well what's the cause of the problem and, and obviously water is a big one but is it surface water groundwater where's the water coming from where's it going to how's it affecting the material so we have to start actually understanding what the road or the material around the road and the, and the, the, the hill above it and the hill below it what are they doing what's causing the issue. So we can start making a plan to not only fix the road, but solve the longer term issue. Then we need to start moving to okay. So what should we do to invest in this road? Our suppliers and our we have our professional service suppliers who work with us. Um, so these are the geotech experts and the the engineers and designers. So they're true subject matter experts in what they do. So they give us great advice as to what our options might be, um, what the the type of construction might be that's necessary to, to get this thing reopened. And then our suppliers, that the physical works guys. So um, you know the the people that we 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 engage, um, they do the physical works, um, and this is where their true expertise lies in doing that safely, having all the material, the equipment, uh, and the understanding to do that job.
1: And it's been a very busy year for the people who go out there and actually fix the roads. It's two steps forward, one step back at the moment. This is Ben Buttermore, the Coromandel Recovery Manager for Higgins.
2: It can become demoralising. Literally, I mean, it's a colloquial term, but it's a rinse and repeat cycle at the moment, isn't it? Dry for a couple of days and then... um, the next onset of a a storm event.
1: So let's just go through how it works fixing a road, shall we? So there's a big, huge storm and it damages the road significantly. Where does Higgins fit in?
2: Higgins Contractors has the East Waikato Network Outcomes contract uh, with Waka Kootahi, the New Zealand Transport Agency. So what that means is that Higgins Contractors, along with our partner, uh, local subcontractors, etc. We maintain the state highway road network for Waka Kootahi. Uh That includes everything from, you know, the classic roadworks that you see, the the resurfacing or the road rehabilitations, through to cleaning drainage, picking up litter, that kind of thing. But in the context of storm events, it means that uh, Higgins is out there, rain, hail, hopefully not snow, but certainly ice in the East Waikato. To Remove detritus from the road, cut through slips, fix underslips, maintain safe cordons at flooding sites, that kind of thing, to, uh, to ensure that the
1: road is as safe as possible. One of the big projects Ben's worked on is a huge underslip on State Highway 25 between Hikawai and Whangamataa. In case you're confused, this is different to nearby State Highway 25A, where the road has completely disappeared, and you'll hear more about that soon
2: this site is absolutely critical to the Coromandel community. With State Highway 25A down, this is uh, the only available eastern seaboard route through to Fitianga. So the Macbeth to a under underslip occurred during Cyclone Gabriel. Things like that often originally show up as cracks in the road. We respond in terms of keeping traffic off the cracks. We bring in our geotechnical engineers and we begin to ascertain the risk that those cracks or or the start of a catastrophic failure might pose. And in the case of the Apoteri underslip, the road did fail in terms of beginning with the outside shoulder and guardrail slipping down the bank, and then that rapidly increased to the uh, entire southbound lane Wow so just describe what it looks like there was a very large landslip down the uh, down the bank it probably projected well over 50 meters into the uh, to the bottom of the valley but the uh, the large face itself was approximately 20 metres from top to bottom. That encompassed
1: the entirety of the north and southbound lanes. So describe to me how you come up with a solution. So if time
2: is your friend, generally in a process like this, if this was a pre-identified site that we would need to um, come up with a design solution for, there would be concept options Um, submitted to waka kōtahi, including potential prices and programme implications. They would then be reviewed by waka kōtahi, a selection made and a detailed design or designs produced. And then that would be implemented either by Higgins or or by another selected contractor. In this kind of instance, um, time was certainly not our friend. We needed to act as quickly as possible. So we were able to come up with what's known as a practitioner's solution, which was then verified by the Waka Kotahi subject matter expert um, for geotechnical stuff on the site itself. That option was a gravity uh, wall, so that means it is layers of engineered material, So what an agreed standard of rock um, that is then compacted. Uh, it is then layered with a layer of geogrid material, which is a, uh, in this case, a plastic, uh, almost checker pattern. I suppose you would say, almost like what you'd hang on your on your garden fence to run the plants up. Stuff you buy from the garden shop. It's, it's reminiscent of that, and so that's laid in layers. More materials placed on top, compacted to the right specifications. Another layer of geogrid, more rock, etc., until you get up to height.
1: So, if I was going to drive along that road, I mean, can you explain for me simply what I would see that would be different from what I'd normally see? Like,
2: Once the wall is completed, you won't see anything different. Um, You will see a large bank cut on the northbound side of the road, on the western side of the road. It's stepped backwards to provide what's known as a bench, so that's if material falls from the upper slope, it's caught halfway down the slope on a large bench, and that bench is about four to five meters wide in that location. and. Uh, then a a subsequent um, slope down to the road level. On the wall side, you're effectively driving on top of the gravity wall itself on those layers of compacted material. And, um, yeah, you'll see a guard rail and some curb and channel. If you were to look down the face, if you were to park the vehicle and and be looking down the face of that um, block wall, what you would see is steps going down approximately ten meters so a stepped face of, of the blocks to provide a means for you know future maintenance people to be able to easily get down the wall to be able to either say jet a blocks culvert or to be able to inspect the wall itself.
0: Uh,
1: how many workers would you have on a site like that?
2: So the site has a permanent traffic management crew in place. So the crew Stays in in Tairua or Whangamata, and they do um, some really, you know, long and, and when it's raining and it's horrible, you know, quite arduous um, shifts running the the traffic light setup that we we have in place there. Like what?
1: How long? How long do they spend doing a shift? Uh, so their shifts are approximately twelve hours. Whew, okay.
2: <laughs> we then have the excavator crews working on the site itself so generally there will be one or two um, pieces of heavy equipment working on the site at a time you've got to appreciate the fact that it's quite a constrained type area to be working in so you have the excavator placing material or placing blocks you might have a roller working in conjunction with that or another excavator or a rather construction plant uh, moving around on that face at once you then have spotters who are helping to make sure the equipment is working in the right area. On top of that, you have the trucks which are bringing in all of the backfill material and they're basically two or three trucks running to a local
1: quarry constantly on the site. The road's now open, but it's down to one lane in places and controlled by traffic lights. But the bigger headache is over on State Highway 25A. A vital highway connecting the east and west coast of the Coromandel Peninsula may take up to a year to reopen. State Highway 25A was closed by a massive slip, adding considerable time to drivers' journeys. In May, the then-Transport Minister, Michael Wood, announced how they were going to get the road back open.
2: Waka Kotahi has confirmed to me, and I am
3: confirming today, uh, that we have determined that a bridge is the right solution to fix State Highway 25A based on the ability to build back better and to
2: do so as quickly as possible.
1: Rob Campbell from Wakakotahi explains how they eventually landed on this option.
3: Oh, look, initially, obviously, our, our first instinct is to, is to try and reopen the road. Now, that's an extreme end of the damage that could, these, these events can cause, and it actually wasn't caused by the cyclone; it was the storm before it. So, you know, while that when that first slipped, our instant reaction was to right, what can we do to reopen uh, and get this uh, safe accessory there? But very quickly on that one, it became obvious that there was a much bigger problem that, that we could solve quickly. So it, it, we had to go to a right, let's have a link about how we can do this, just do this well and do it properly so we can build back a resilient accessory access in there and that needed an awful lot of information so when you get to the stage of quite uh complicated reinstatements, statements which this is you need to look at all the options um in this case we always described it as you can build back up you can go over or you can go around we need to look at all of those three options in some detail to understand well, which one's going to be the one that allows us to get access back through there as quickly as we could knowing that it would not be as quick as we would like it to be
1: you had three options, did you? And how did you decide which one was going to be the best option?
3: Oh, there's so many things to look at when you're looking at this. So, I mean, the, the first and most important is, is what are you building on? Uh, the geotech, you know, how, before you build anything about a substantial, you need to be building off of good foundations and footing. So we needed to do an awful lot of work to understand what, where is the good material. We need to put piling rigs and drill rigs in there to do some swimming so we could find where's the rock. You know essentially where's good material and what we found in there is that whole area there's not a lot of a lot of good material anywhere on the road corridor itself we found rock about 30 meters below the bottom of the slip which is 20 meters below where the road was so we need all that information you also need to understand well if you're going around who owns that land how significant is that land, uh, is it multiple owners is it a single owner um we also needed to understand the cultural significance of that the ecological difference is another route going to be um, uh, uh, consentable? Would you be able to get permission to do that road? Um, and actually, you know, well, in terms of the the structures that you might use, if you're going to fill up a road uh, that's got a big hole like that, you need hundreds of thousands of cubic metres of material. Where's it going to come from? Where will you take the material that you're going to dig out?
1: So you chose a bridge in the end. Why was that?
3: Uh, because it gave us that best mix. Um, it's the quickest that was the, one of the overriding criteria for us, was how quickly can we do this? So it was the quickest option for us.
1: Well, quick still slow, isn't it? I mean, when's it going to be open? When's your predictions?
3: Uh, we're looking. It'll be next year before it's open, next calendar year. We're not quite exactly sure when, um, but we obviously we're, we're working at pace. So no, it's not quicker. We knew this was never going to be a quick fix, unfortunately. We'd like it to have been, but the reality is the situation is that's not going to happen. So this was still the quickest option. Um, wow. And uh, look, we get how destructive that is to the community. Um, many of our staff actually, have, you know, are involved up there. The contractors that we use, they live in that area. They know how difficult this is. Um, so it's it's the best of some not great options, quite frankly. Um, but that's why we're doing the bridge. It gives us the most certainty as well. So once you're out of the ground, and you've got the foundations for your bridge in place, then you're in control of everything. You're in control of the steel, the supports, the concrete, the road itself. Every other option, you're really dealing with natural materials, and the weather has a huge effect. So, you know, obviously, what, what sort of winter will we have? It's likely to be wet. We don't know that for sure. All the other options would require us to work through winter with with soil and earth and rocks. That's quite uncertain how much we get down with the bridge. You get a lot more certainty.
1: So where exactly are we at now with the repairs?
3: So the contractors, uh, we've let the contracts, uh, detailed designs are all going on.
1: Jacqueline, there's been so much over your side of the North Island, hasn't there been? There's just been so much. I mean, what
0: really stands out for you in terms of the repairs? The one that stands out for me is the Hikawai Bridge, uh, which is up uh, between Toluga Bay and Tokamaru Bay, um, up north of Gisborne. Four months after Cyclone Gabrielle caused
1: widespread damage to infrastructure around the North Island, a crucial link to the East Coast State Highway 35 has been reconnected today with the opening of the Hikawai bailey Bridge.
0: During Cyclone Gabrielle, uh, that bridge was completely washed away. It's a 80-plus metre span bridge um, across the Hikawai River. And that was always going to be a long-term um, fix. It's not easy trying to span 80 metres of river. Um, And the the criticality there for us was the severance of the community. So Tokamaru Bay uh, was isolated because north of them, uh, the Mangahuini Gorge had also isolated them and trapped them. But the one thing that stood out was actually a local contractor up there started doing some talking and doing some work and he actually uh, initiated the building of the bypass track, which is now called Piro Road. But this local contractor, being one of the community uh, and supported by us, worked to open this bypass road while we could carry on um, designing and getting uh, our Bailey Bridge up and running, which we have since done. But from our point of view, that Bailey Bridge uh was probably a very complex uh, design and then installation. Trying to find hard ground um, is difficult. We planned to drill the piles for this Bailey Bridge 12 metres. They went down 32 metres until we could hit firm ground that they could get into.
1: What was the detour like? Did you have to build a whole new road with that contractor and what kind of uh, material did that go through
0: so that was literally uh digging through the side of a hill um and on a local uh farm and a station and with the local ewe. and yeah so it was a gravel road uh it's it wasn't a nice road uh but it was access it wasn't your usual state highway network, but it gave the community the access that was needed. So it was on traffic management. So the whole road, you could uh, you had to wait at the lights at one end and travel it. And so it was only single lane the whole way, uh, the few kilometres that it is. Uh, but it was literally cutting into the hillside um, of a local farm
1: Nuts. Sounds
0: nuts. But did you still need a bridge to kind of go over the river, though? They could bypass it with the track that they used, which was uh, quite um, impressive.
1: So, But Bailey Bridges aren't a permanent fix either, are they?
0: No, no, they're not. But the, the putting the Bailey Bridge in has given us time to, I guess, look at what that future long-term solution is. We know that the Hikawai River came up multiple metres, I think it was close to 20 metres it rose, uh, and with the way the climate is going and the rainfall that we continue to get up, uh, that area on the east coast is putting a like-for-like light light bridge back the right decision and so we're going through all that work at the moment and how we can build resilience back into our network as Rob mentioned we we need to build back things that will remain and so we are not in this situation again.
1: Do you have to fight for funding at all I mean it also almost sounds like you're competing against yourselves for the money to fix everything up.
3: Well, I was going to say, ultimately, of course, our funding comes from the government, um, and we make allowances in each three-year funding period. One of the key things that the government and, and the last couple of um, funding periods has been really clear on is they want us to start looking at climate adaption uh, and starting to, to develop strategies and concepts of what we might do differently going forward in the future. Um, that that plan is in is being developed now. It's early days for it. and We call it tirarangi. The the idea of that plan is to present to government options of you know, well how we might manage and de- and deal with climate change in climate adaption going forward. So that plan is for, by around 2035, to have a, established a, a different way of working, a new way of looking at this, um, to be building things differently, to be looking at where we need to maybe retreat from rising sea levels or managing high rainfall differently.
1: Anything specific you can say as to how roads might look different in the future?
3: Oh, there's a range of things. So in some cases, is the road in the right place? highly rulable place and actually should be somewhere else. So that's the sort of thing you could look at. Those are very expensive options, obviously you can't do that everywhere. So then it's how do you make sure there is the assets you have, that the culverts are big enough, the bridges are strong enough, that we've protected the um the, the the abutments to that to the bridges so they don't wash out. So you're adapting the type of infrastructure you have, you know, do you need to lift bridges so they're out of the water um and how the water drains away is done in a different way. There's a whole range of different things you can do to adapt for climate change. Um, and it'll, each case will be different. Um, and part of that, of course, will be the value for money, the investment. How much money can you put in and where's the right place to spend that? Uh, it's a very tricky thing to do. And over the government, I think, around the world is wrestling with it now.
1: So this is the worst you've seen it in your 20 years? The worst in
2: my 20 years, yes. Waka Kotahi, or I guess as the lead contractor for Waka Kotahi, had to rebuild the Tim's Coast after a huge storm event in January 2018.
3: Wet and wild summer weather is causing disruption across the North Island's Coromandel Peninsula. Flooding and slips have closed the region's main highways, cutting off travellers, with many other roads down to just a single lane.
2: While that was a massive project and a huge undertaking and, and really did stress and strain um, the Coromandel Communities, not not you know, it's lots of individual towns through it, but the Coromandel as a whole. We didn't lose a key route like we have with State Highway Twenty Five A. A route just didn't disappear, um, and that was a one um, one large event, not um, you know three major storm events within one month of January alone, with preceding storm events in November and December, followed up by. Um, a whole raft of events through April, May, and June, which in themselves were i guess you would turn them qualifying storm events in the guidance issued by uh, by government for dealing with funding and dealing with storms so it's just this constant run of weather related things that are you know you know in a sort of a boxing analogy you're sitting there and the blows just keep coming you just make sure that you are blocking and and reacting and counterpunching as best you can
1: That's it for today I'm Tom Kitchen The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund Today's episode was engineered by Phil Bench. Our producers are Sarah Robson, Bonnie Harrison and Alexia Russell. Thanks to Rob Campbell, Jacqueline Hankin and Ben Buttermore. Ka kite anō.